0: You're listening to The Exchange on Siouxland Public Media. I'm Mary Hartnett. Today in the program, we go out into the community. First, we join the Martin Luther King Jr. birthday celebration that was delayed a week because of the recent snow emergency. Next, we hear from the Siouxland Coalition Against Human Trafficking at a special informational meeting this week where the group and other advocates for change explained how human trafficking works and what we can do to stop it. First, a quick look at the news. Siouxland has left behind two challenging weeks of heavy snow and dangerous wind chill temperatures. Now we have warmer temperatures and a slew of potholes. The Iowa Department of Transportation says drivers need to be aware that potholes are on the way. Potholes are mostly caused by moisture that gets trapped into or underneath the pavement. During freeze and thaw periods, moisture causes the asphalt or concrete to shift, buckle, or break. When vehicles drive over these weakened areas, potholes get created. Iowa DOT maintenance crews, as well as city and county crews, are patching potholes just as quickly as they can using cold-mixed asphalt, and that's not always a long-term repair. Iowans are encouraged to contact city administration or county engineer offices to report the holes so they can be addressed in a timely fashion. The first black justice in Iowa's 3rd Judicial District addressed a large crowd at Sunday night's Martin Luther King Jr. birthday celebration. Judge Robert Tiefenthaler headlined the event at Sioux City's First Congregational United Church of Christ. He was appointed to the bench last year. However, before Judge Tiefenthaler spoke, there was music and several other speakers. The theme of the event was Living the Dream. It starts with me, and the event began with the national anthem. Whoa. Monique Scarlett of Unity in the Community emceed the event. As the program got underway, Scarlet noted there was a wonderful turnout despite the fact that the event was postponed because of frigid temperatures.
1: And we're just so glad that the community had was gracious enough and they're out here and showing up in full force and we're very excited about that. I've always said that a celebration is not a one-day event it's a lifetime commitment so everything that Dr. King talked about spoke of famous quotes that are still quoted today we need to live that instead of just saying it.
0: What of his goals do you think um, have have been met what do you think still needs to have work?
1: Well, we have a lot of work. We've come a long way when I talk with some of the elders of the community and throughout the nation that, I mean, compared to what they've been through and where we're at now, they have seen a lot of accomplishments where we're at now, and where we need to go. It's a lot of work um, letting people be themselves, not judging people still on the color of their skin, but the content of their character and being able to always do the right thing. The theme tonight is living the dream, and and basically that starts with every one of us being courageous, again, um, operating and living in a spirit of unity. So it is actually living out his dream, because this was his dream back in the 60s, and now we're in 2024, what are we executing at this point in our communities, in our neighborhoods and so, and in our homes, it starts in our homes. The legacy he left was just civil rights for all mankind. Um, I just recently found out that he was in Sioux Falls, South Dakota in 1961. I never knew that. And so I thought you were 75 miles away from us and how unique that was. And so right now it's just just living that dream, being courageous, standing up on those things that are right, not being afraid um, of having those courageous conversations and those uncomfortable conversations.
0: Being part of unity in the community, that was kind of something that was your brainchild. How does that make you feel connected to Martin Luther King's
1: goals? Unity in the community, I think, has a a direct um, correlation with Dr. King because he talked about love, hope, peace, and prayer, and we often forget his name is Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., and so church is his foundation. God is his foundation, which brings the love, hope, peace, and prayer. And so I believe that's how unity in the community definitely collaborates and correlates for eternity.
0: One of the well-known community members who spoke at the event was school board member and community activist Trayla Lee. Lee took the opportunity to honor her mother, Flora Lee, who died last year at the age of 69, and her late father as well. Flora Lee was a longtime Siouxland community activist and the first black woman elected in Woodbury County, serving on the Sioux City Community School Board for 12 years. She headed the local chapter of the NAACP for more than a decade and spent 20 years with Northwest AEA as an educational consultant and special education strategist. She also worked with the Iowa Civil Rights Commission and the Sioux City Human Rights Commission. Traylor Lee had this to say about her mother. And this point of privilege is going to dedicate
2: this moment to my beloved mother, Flora Lee. It would be remiss of me not to include my beloved father, Rudy Lee, and acknowledge, oh clap, and acknowledge the support of my loving Marissa and Trenton Lee. (laughs) Flora, a proven servant that called herself and others to give back, get involved, and devote themselves to this community. Flora loved this event the gathering of community, presenters, our youth artistry, and the music. And those of you know, you know about her and her music. Especially the upbeat temple of Lift Every Voice and Sing. (laughs) And if you know, you know. Flora, you built a legacy, not by one thing, but by everything, your legacy is everything you touched. And that is a quote by the great Maya Angelou. She had a dream that we, the Siouxland community, must carry out. She had a dream that this community would see the good in all mankind. She had a dream to ensure that equity was equal, and wasn't measured by the content of our scan. She had a dream to listen, to hear, and be heard, and move that needle one inch at a time. She had a dream. She used her 410, I'm gonna give or take a few inches, to be the dynamite in the light that would light up every room or make room for everybody else. She had a dream to use her voice to advocate, learn, listen, research and create so many opportunities for each and every one of us. She had a dream, married the love of her life, esteemed her family and friends. And at the end of her life, she showed her children that her family was much bigger than the four walls in which we were raised. It was the world. She shared the same love to her community. We must continue to chip inch by inch to make change, build a unified community, and stack our hopes and dreams brick by brick. May God bless each and every one of you, this community and the call to action to keep Flora Lee's and Dr. King's dream alive. Live the dream she started with her. Thank you.
0: The keynote speaker of the evening was 3rd District Judge Robert Tiefenthaler of Sioux City. He is the first black person to serve as a judge in the 3rd District. Tiefenthaler spoke about growing up as a biracial child raised by white adoptive parents in the small community of Breda, Iowa. Tiefenthaler said his classmates taunted him with racial epithets.
3: What's not in Breda, Iowa at the time that I was growing up was another colored individual anywhere. But for the most part, I would say the people of Brita, the adults, treated me like a son of Brita. That's that's how you grow up in the farming communities. That's small-town America. And the kids were not quite as nice to me back then. I was made fun of. I was bullied. And it stuck with me for a long time. Problem was, some of the words that they were calling me, unfortunately, were variations of the N word. And I didn't know what those meant. It wasn't the straight out N word, it was variations of it. And when they would call that to me after a while, I started answering to it because you know what? I didn't know any better. And I didn't realize that they were making fun of me to that till I got older and started seeing more folks. When I got to high school, that's really when I started seeing individuals that were of African-American descent or other colors. And it still didn't really click with me until I got probably more into college, oh my god, this is what they've been calling me this entire time. And I was stupid enough to answer to it. The only issue for me was I didn't know that I was an African-American. I grew up in a loving home, an adoptive home, but I didn't know a lot about my background. And I really didn't find out most of that until I actually got right before the end of law school. Uh, But what I dealt with back then depressed me so much to have to go through the bullying that I actually thought at a point in time about taking my own life. When I was a sophomore in high school, I was heavy. I was darker and looked different than other people. If you've ever wanted to be normal so much in your life, at that point, that's kind of where I was at. And I did get some help, but in the end, the therapist that I talked to, honestly, she couldn't help me. She couldn't stop them from doing it to me. So in the end, I had to decide for my own sake to either give up or push forward. And the only thing that honestly kept me from giving up was I had people that depended on me who were friends that I thought what would happen to them if I wasn't there to help them, if I wasn't there to protect them. So I made a vow to myself at that time that I was never going to let anybody be treated the way that I got treated. Tiefenthaler
0: worked hard to get his bachelor's and law degrees at the University of South Dakota. He practiced law in Sioux City in the 1990s as the only black private practice attorney in town. He talked about the people who supported his dream, including Rudy and
3: Flora Lee, who came to him as clients. She first came to me as a client and has stood by me to support me ever since. Rest her soul, Flora Lee. Flora and Rudy first came to me to represent them in a case that they had ongoing. And I'm not going to lie, one of the reasons she chose me is I was the only African-American in town in private practice. Thankfully, I didn't have to compete with anybody at that point in time. But what I did for her and the amount of care and support that I showed for both her and Rudy during that time was what stood out most to her as the amount of caring that I had for them. Nobody's case to me has ever been just a case. I, I take them all personally. Probably shouldn't. It's not always objective. But I get so much into a fight of doing what I'm doing. If I think I'm in the right, that's what I'm going to fight for. Dr. King, and I want to make sure I wrote him down so I didn't get it wrong, had a had a quote that I, I really grew to love, the ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in moments of comfort and convenience, but where he stands at times of challenge and controversy. My dad, Dean Tiefenthaler, growing up, taught me one other thing about integrity. Even when he had disputes with others, sometimes in our own family, he says, you know what, Robert, there's nothing wrong with being on the wrong side if you're in the right. Tiefenthaler
0: noted that he wanted to be a lawyer and then a judge because he had a desire to make a difference in the community.
3: Now, I'm not going to lie. I try to err on the side of people generally can be good. Sometimes people need a second chance or a third chance to make that happen, but it's there, but that's not true of everybody. And the ones that's least most true for me in that situation is violent people. I don't like violence. That, that's a big thing to me. I understand people may steal stuff, I understand people use drugs, but there's a difference between that and people who are violent. There's a difference between ruining your own life and ruining somebody else's. And Dr. King preached about nonviolence. And no matter how upset you may be about the way other people are getting treated, you think the system's not fair or anything like that, the answer will never, ever be violence. Dr. King had one other quote that I thought was really important to me. He goes, what is needed is a realization that power without love is reckless and abusive, and that love without power is sentimental and anemic. Power at its best is love implementing the demands of justice, and justice at its best is love correcting everything that stands against love. This job does come with a power, but my hope is it's the power to express that love and enforce that love if need be.
0: That was 3rd District Judge Robert Tiefenthaler speaking at the Martin Luther King Jr. birthday celebration Sunday, January 21st at the First Congregational United Church of Christ in sioux city Toller is the first black judge to be appointed in district 3b in iowa
1: lift every voice and sing till earth and heaven ring ring with the heart
0: Listening to the exchange on Siouxland Public Media. Support for the exchange comes from Gregory Giles, Investment Advisor Representative with Legacy Financial LLC in Sioux City, serving the financial planning and investment needs of clients since 2004. Information about Legacy Financial and Greg Giles is available at legacyfinancialllc.com. Financial planning and advisory services offered through RDA Financial Network. evening, The Siouxland Coalition Against Human Trafficking, along with other community advocates and law enforcement officials, held an informational discussion on human trafficking at the Sioux City Public Museum. The all-volunteer organization is headed by Bernadette Rixner, who spoke at length about what sex trafficking means and how to define it.
4: When we first started talking about it, we always talked about it as modern-day slavery. And that is valid, but there are a lot of uh, victims and survivors who don't feel comfortable with having been called a slave, and so um, we're, we're trying to develop a, a better way. But obtaining of a person means that that person is no longer free to do what they want to do. All right, and that you know is a major understanding of slavery. So sex trafficking is obtaining of a person, or the recruitment of a person harboring a person, transporting a person, or providing a person, providing. I'll provide this person for you for the purpose of a commercial sex act.
0: Rixner also talked about the labor trafficking of young people. They're often promised high pay for a relatively small amount of work, and young people and their parents are often tricked by their ads.
4: This is an ad that we have on our tables when we have events. It says, one, a teen for school job earn $60, $80, $100 per week, work evenings and Saturdays, free trips and activities, uh, transportation provided, 14 years and older, bonuses, bring your friends. Who does this for a 14-year-old? Who pays them that much money and then takes them on field trips and then you know gives them bonuses? So all of us, most of us actually would look at that and go, yeah, that can't be for real. <coughs> I'm surprised at the number of kids and parents who look at this and say, oh yeah, where where can I sign up for that? Okay. And I had a lady tell me that she was that kid, that $60 would buy her shoes, which her parents couldn't give her.
0: Rixner added that today's trafficking comes from many places. Some is gang related. A lot takes place online, but another source of danger can be from a person's own family. So
4: you've got... Uh, organized crime, you've got gangs, That people are starting to look more and more at the trafficking that's done by families. In many cases, it's generational. This is how we pay the rent. Sally goes over to Mr. Smith's at the end of every month. Okay. Um, and it can be parents, grandparents, brothers, sisters, um, aunts, uncles, um, intimate partners, spouses. Um, we've seen it all. I won't say I have, but I know that people in the agencies have, and I've had reports of, you know, where do I go? This is what's going
0: on. That was Bernadette Rixner from the Siouxland Coalition Against Human Trafficking at the event held Thursday night at the Sioux City Public Museum. Also at that event were representatives from the Sioux City Police Department and other advocacy groups that help people who've been trafficked, and representatives from other organizations that help people who have been trafficked, including Lila May's House and Haven House. Lila May's House is a healing environment where adult women who are survivors of sex trafficking can come to live and begin to process their healing from the trauma they've experienced in their life. Haven House helps provide emergency shelter for men and women to help them get away from domestic violence, sexual assault, and human trafficking. For assistance or information about human trafficking, you can go to sulandagainsttrafficking.org. After living through weather well below zero, these days in the 30s feel downright warm. That's how the people of Siouxland felt in 1888 when a long freeze snapped. But what came along was fearsome.
5: Blizzard of 1888. A January thaw is what all of us look forward to right now, a breath of warmth that reopens our hope that someday soon April will return. Two colder winter days, maybe three, of 40 degrees and no wind. Heaven comes to Siouxland. And that's the relief people felt early on January 12, 1888, when most of those who'd put down homesteads had just arrived. Here's how David Laskin describes that morning. Everyone who wrote about January 12 noticed something different about the quality of that morning. Strange color and texture of the sky. The preternatural balminess. The haze. The fog. The softness of the south wind. The thrilling smell of thaw. The great waves of snow on the prairie that gleamed in the winter sun. And then this the one aspect they all agreed on was the sudden welcome rise of temperature. A January thaw, a morning to remember, but a balmy prelude to horror. Laskin's book, The Children's Blizzard, tells the story. When that strange warmth suddenly lifted, hundreds of people, most of them children, perished in a blizzard that made prairie skies dark as night and created massive drifts and winds that drove crystallized snow into your face so ferociously it filled up what flesh it didn't tear away. Seven miles east of Freeman, South Dakota, five boys died, lost in the unremitting blast of snow. Three of them were Kaufmanns, Johann, Heinrich, Elias. What they and two other boys intended was simply to get to safety at the Graeber House, a quarter mile east of the school, Ratzliff, number 66. The wall they hit was zero visibility blizzard. The victims' families were all Schweitzers, German-speaking Mennonites booted from Russia would come to the Dakota Territory with 50 other families seeking the religious freedom they'd looked to find for 200 years and the opportunity to live a good and safe life. None of them had it easy. Sometimes their children would alternate attending school because families didn't have shoes enough to go around. But there was promise here in Dakota. And then came the children's blizzard. Those five Freeman boys just disappeared, and even though search parties went out the next morning in the swirling remnants, no one found them until three days later on the Sabbath when a man spotted an arm jutting from a snowbank, an arm belonging to the eldest Kaufman, Johan, who was likely holding up a coat to shield the younger boys from the killer. They ended up two and one-half miles southeast of Ratzliff 66, buried by the blizzard just 40 feet from the farmhouse of the man who found them. Story goes that man went to church with the news that Sunday. I I don't know if he interrupted worship. I don't know what they might have been singing, but I can guess how hard they prayed. No one knows precisely how many people perished in that massive blizzard. Most estimate the grim death toll at somewhere near 250. It all began with a sweet January thaw that, quick as a fox, descended into madness. At Valentine, Nebraska, the temperature was 30 degrees at 6 in the morning, 6 degrees at 2 in the afternoon, 14 below at 9 that night. Somewhere out in south-central Nebraska, you'll find a highway marker that tells that neighborhood's chapter of the story. But there's nothing at all east of Freeman where five boys died. There's no sign, no story, only endless rows of corn and soybeans. Even the farms are gone. All the way from Russia, those Schweitzers carried with them an old Mennonite hymn, something with a first line that went like this Verlos und Verlassen, Saint sich mein Herz nach Stille When I am lonely and defenseless, my heart longs for rest and peace maybe that sunday that old favorite was the one they all went back to all of them if not that sunday surely the next.
0: Support for small wonders on Siouxland Public Media comes from the Daniels Osborne Law Firm in the Ho Chunk Center in downtown Sioux City, serving the needs of clients in real estate transactions, business formation, and guidance and personal estate planning. More information is available on Facebook or at danielsosborne.com. That's it for this edition of The Exchange. Thanks to Steve Smith, Brett Hayworth, and Mark Munger. I'm Mary Hartnett. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.